Hi there, you. You, Docolo, you, are you ready for it? It begins. Year three begins. The third year of the best documentary theme podcast in the universe is underway, and I hope you're all ready to get your docs off. My name is Bob Sham, and each week myself and a friend, a person just like you, sits with me to discuss a documentary, and this week Drew is back with us, and he will be with us for the rest of the Fridays all month long. We missed him last month with so much going on, but Drew is here again. We will be talking about a pretty fun 30 for 30 documentary by director Jeff Tremaine and produced by Dick House Productions. So those crazy dudes responsible for all the jackass fun. We're talking about a BMX legend. And admittedly, this 30 for 30 was all new knowledge to me. If you are big on the BMX stuff, you probably already know. We're discussing the flick birth of big air and it's all about that bmxer slash stuntman matt hoffman i'd say it's worth a rental if it sounds interesting to you i might be disturbed but watching people wipe out is almost as fun as watching them nail a trick if you want to see a lot of both this is the documentary for you next week on the show our newest documenteer felicia sits with me to discuss her first full-length documentary and what we discussed was very very hard to make light of because it was fucking sad it's on netflix and it's about a twin brother from england who was in a bad motorbike accident awoke to see his brother who he recognized but couldn't remember anything else including their parents his name and any emotional connection to his upbringing his brother helped him fill the gaps but he left some things out that you got to hear to believe felicia and i are discussing tell me who i am by director ed perkins boy oh boy i know burying your emotions deep deep down inside is a very british thing to do but what the shit watch this on netflix and keep the tissues close by all that next week right here on the documenteers music clips you hear are also a couple of songs you hear in birth of big air salad days by minor threat and waiting room by fugazi two very influential dc bands that have ian mckay in them we fade out on one of my very favorite punk songs, How Low Can a Punk Get by Bad Brains, which I took from the Black Dot sessions that took place in 1978. I only picked that song to keep in theme with the other two bands that are from Washington, D.C. that are featured in the movie. Also, it's the Bad Brains, the greatest of all time within the hardcore punk genre. Documenteerspodcast.com for more on us and how to get in touch with us. And if you ignored my pleas... Over the holidays, you can make it up for me now by giving the show five stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts. For some damn reason, Apple Podcasts is the hardest to pull up the show on, and I'm not sure why. Everywhere else, we pop right up, and I'm wondering if it has something to do with all the foul language in the show notes. But if you type in the full show title, Documenteers, the documentary podcast, it should be there. For some reason, simply typing Documenteers won't do it despite it being a made-up word that should, in theory, just come up. This seems kind of recent, too, as in the past, I recall it coming up much easier. Apple Podcasts is the best place to spread the word about any podcast, unfortunately, because they run the game. Many other podcast apps will pull from the Apple directory, leaving us with not much choice but to go to Apple for show promotion. And if you type in the full show title and leave five stars in a review... You will help us out and also maybe make it easier to find us there. Every other app, no problem. 
That's enough whining for 2020. Got to save it because we all know the whining will get worse as the year moves forward. It's going to be hard not to get ranty this year, and I'm trying to gauge how hard I want to go, but I will just slip in a little something right now. Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden are the worst candidates in the Democratic primary. And yes, I do realize that Tulsi Gabbard is running. The statement stands. They are a 2016 political strategy that has proven to be a failure. Also, all media can suck my dick. There you go. That's just a taste. That's just a taste. We can pace ourselves because we got all year. Meanwhile, stay sweet and keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. From my, my choice of careers and things that I love to do, I had to look, look at life uh, pretty fragile, you know, and respect that. I mean, really, be honest, every day I get up, I think today is the day I could die. If you know anything about BMX, you know who Matt Hoffman is. And maybe that's all you know. I mean, he was so ahead of his time. It's like people are still trying to catch up to where he was at 15 years ago. Never doing it for the money or doing it for any other reason than he just truly enjoys what he does. When they look at Matt and the things that he's done on a bicycle, God almighty, I mean, I'm stuck in my own little world that even I didn't know who Matt Hoffman was. Boy, now I know. Now I know. Are you ready to get radical? So rad. Stoked, bro. (laughs) Don't have a cow, man. Eat my shorts. I caramba. Yeah, you got this. These are all the things children said in the late 80s, early 90s. 90 kids be like, what? Who who gave birth to Big Air? Matt Hoffman. Yeah. We're talking about the 30 for 30 flick. Birth of Big Air. By Jeff Tremaine and Dick House Productions. You remember Dick House. Yeah, forget director. Director Jeff Tremaine, whatever. This was a Dick House Productions movie. Spike Jones. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. They're all Dick pro- House. Producing this shit. Dick House is a production company behind Jackass. That's where Jeff Tremaine and, of course, we know all the other guys. They kind of made their bones. I know Spike Jones made his bones in the Dick House, too. He, he would show up at the Dick House from time to time. He and Tony Hawk, they'd come and hang out at the Dick House. And I love the Dick House. I'm unabashed. I was a teenager in the mid to late 90s when Jackass was hitting the scene. Which is how you know all that sweet slang. Yeah. I remember the Camp, the camp Kill Yourself, the CKY videos, which was the early Bam Margera shit. Yeah. And then they all combined to create Jack and them and some other geeky stunt dudes. Or like people like Johnny Knoxville. But I love Jackass. I, I genuinely think, unironically, it's one of the like the funniest shit of all time. R.I.P. Whichever one's dead. Is that Ryan uh, Dunn? Ryan Dunn, yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys are party animals. Uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be more tragedies to come for a lot of these guys. But boy, they really did do what they did. I feel like in the best way possible. And there's a lot of YouTube brats coming up. 
doing like half-assed versions of what we used to see. Get on out Jack of here! House. You yeah. ain't no dick house. Yeah, get out! There's only one dick house. All right. This is thirty for thirty, number seventeen. This is some highlight real shit, dude. The birth of big air. You think this is the most like sick, sick footage, uh, thirty for thirty we've gotten so far? That's what I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be all X Games, sweet jumps, gnarly tricks, rad highlights. It was a little bit more than that, though. It was pretty restrained from you know the guys what we're expecting from the Dickhouse crew. Some sick part of our brains also like it when people crash and wipe out and shit. This was a documentary not so much about just all the rad highlights. This was about Matt Hoffman. Even Evil Knievel was blown away by what Matt Hoffman was doing. He was friends with Matt Hoffman. There's so many people in here. When we start this documentary out with sick bike stunts set to opera music, I'm just like... Shit, yeah, give it to me. I want more of this. Yeah, in the words of uh, The Offspring, give it to me, baby. Uh-huh, <laughs> Inject this uh-huh. into my veins. <laughs> Slow-mo, sick bike stunts set to some opera music. <laughs> we, meet, we, we see a lot of like talking heads straight off. And this movie works for me as contextualizing the early history of the BMX movement. Did you have a BMX bike when you were growing up? I, were you in on that trend? I think I it probably said it on the bike. <laughs> when all your friends all of a sudden didn't want real bikes, they wanted really tiny little bikes. <laughs> yeah, right. They could just hop, 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 hop. And I was like the fat kid, like, I'm, it's hard to stand up and ride. <laughs> I was the dude who was too cool for it, too. I was like, look, I want a bike that's gonna, that I can ride on that's going to get me from point A to point B. Yeah. I don't want to have to hit... I'm a tall dude. I don't want to be hitting my knees and my face on this tiny little clown bike. I remember when I was a kid, everyone had like one of those curved handled 10 speeds in a shed somewhere. Like those were. I'll the, roll on one of those. No problem. The, yeah. I used to love those bikes. But yeah. and it just seemed like everyone had one like rusting out in some building somewhere. But those weren't cool. There was a little time where it was all about those BMX tiny little bikes that you got your friends on your pegs on the back. You still see them. And you hop around. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's all the tricks most people can do. But Matt Hoffman had some some more grandiose plans for doing tricks on these little tiny BMX bikes. People we meet, we meet guys like Tony Hawk, Travis Pastrana, Evil Knievel, you mentioned, and some BMX pioneers that are really my introduction to him. Guys like Bob Haro, Eddie Fiola, Eddie Roman, and Mike Dominguez. And these are all guys that were on the ground floor of the initial explosion of the bmx side of x game style sport shit yeah and admittedly it's not something that i um am drawn constantly to but if it's something that's like on a tv randomly i could sit there and watch it for a little while it's kind of fun to watch this kind of shit if you're flipping through channels and you see the x games you stop yeah because you're gonna see some rad shit yeah but if 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 uh, if something sick doesn't happen within 10 minutes you're probably gonna change the channel yeah you're not there for the announcers or, <laughs> or the, <laughs> unless you're really into monster energy drinks or yeah. <laughs> so but you also meet Matt Hoffman's dad Matt with two T's yeah the Matt we're talking about is one T Matt little Matt big Matt big Matt's got two T's and his dad is just cool as shit too I in fact uh, built the first ramp with Larry Rude my brother-in-law and uh, Joni says well what are we going to do when they hurt themselves and what are we going to do and I says Joni don't watch them for a week and then they'll have their moves down and sure enough I think we went to the hospital one time that week my 
they got the moves down, and that's that's how I let them do it. There's a lot of there's this magazine called Freestyling that gets because magazines were actually very viable once upon a time, believe it or not. And in <laughs> newspapers and, too, Grandpa. And people and Matt's mom actually sent in a picture of Matt, this boy from Oklahoma, and there's like a picture, just a little black and white picture, like on the here's me doing cool things at home. And you notice about this picture, you look at all inside the magazine, you see a lot of impressive stuff. And then you see this little black and white square of a kid. There's a ramp right here. And then way above that ramp is a kid like just way up in the fucking air. And it's this thing where everyone who really understood the context and the athleticism of this sport was like, does he not realize that this isn't really normal? Like, you know, Dominguez and some people had gone that high before, but it was like, I guess he doesn't realize this is above average for your 13-year-old kid from Oklahoma. Well, Matt got out there, he tried his trick, he knocked himself unconscious, and after that he figured the trick out. He described it as waking <laughs> up on the flat line. The flat line being the base before you start going down on the route. And he'd be like, and what he, what he means by waking up on the flat line was that he wiped out hard and woke up and he's like on the top of the ramp. But that's how he figured out the trick. The next time he'd get it. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is a story of parental support, man. For real. The mom sending in pictures into this magazine. The dad is like, you know, of course we don't want our son to like get broken and beaten, but we recognize that there's something exceptional about what he's doing. Uh, we talked to his uh, best friend throughout it, who was with him throughout his life. What's that guy? What's that guy's name? Whatever, it's his best friend, Steve Swope. There you go. There we go. And he talks about how when he was growing up in Oklahoma, they, he just assumed that people where this is happens a lot more did shit that he did. Like he he was so used to seeing Matt do this shit that he didn't realize it was even exceptional. When he finally starts going to big competitions, his uh, first one is this event at Madison Square Garden in New York. And his dad's like, yeah, Matt's going to win this thing. No problem. Don't, don't even bother. Just uh, you know, enter as the, the highest group you can and you're going to win. <laughs> Matt's amateur status was merely just a formality. Like It was very apparent to everyone who saw Matt perform that you could just go ahead and say he's pro. He does this show. He wins the event, stole the show. All of a sudden, he's on the cover of every BMX magazine out there. They're like, holy shit, look what this kid's doing. And he doesn't. he's just doing this for fun. He doesn't know it's so exceptional. One of my favorite parts of this is the interviews with the other professionals at this point that see what this kid's doing. And you have a professional BMX rider. He goes up to Matt and he's like, so uh, how did you do that Superman into a bar hop, into a no foot? And Matt's like, oh, uh, wait, bro. I, I just, I kicked my feet out when I went up there. <laughs> and the pro just stares at him for a minute and is like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. <laughs> They're like, whoa, this this guy is completely red. <laughs> he went out there wearing all this gear. It was like warrior time. <laughs> he suited up to do this crazy, crazy stuff. So yeah, he, he enters his tournament as an amateur. He's still a teenager. And they're like, this is your last amateur tournament. And right after that, he's going to go pro. Yeah. So he wins this last amateur tournament. Then he enters the professional tournament. And he wins that one too. He works on this trick, this wild trick that no one ever saw where he flips backwards and then hits the ramp again, but is riding backwards. 
And he practiced this in secret. He knew if he would be able to hit this in competition that everyone's brains would like fall out through their mouths. It's a cool moment that they describe there too, where he's got his little like secret trick warehouse in, in Oklahoma where nobody's really paying too much attention. And they mention that this is, this is before Twitter. This is before Facebook. This is before 24 hour sports channels where everybody would be plastered to see, Oh dude, just posted on Instagram, this new trick. He's working on it. no, Nobody knew he was working on a new trick until he busts it out in competition. But Spike Jones gets the photo. Yeah. And he's the only one that... He's the reason that there is evidence of that at all. The first guy to do a 900, and he cleans it. He lands it clean. It's absolutely revolutionary. But then he steps the game up a little bit more. He does the 900, the inverted backflip fakie, which blows everybody's mind. But then he does it with a flare. So he lands this backflip inverted while riding forward on the ramp so it doesn't have to be the last trick he can throw this in anytime during his routine because he can do the backflip and land forward and just continue on to the next trick you know in his initial in the initial montage you notice they were playing the minor threat song salad days That's my personal favorite uh, Minor Threat song. And some Fugazi would play later. They'd definitely hit that Fugazi in there. But you know what? All this practicing tricks on your ramp, inventing revolutionary tricks out of your own mind, he wipes out a lot doing this. Yes. They say by the time he's 38, he's got the body of a 65-year-old. Jesus. You hear that a lot with a lot of athletes, especially maybe football players. You hear that a lot. Imagine hockey. Hockey seems... Seems to lend itself to a better longevity. I, I wonder why, though, because you can get clobbered. I, I love this one little interaction. A great editing choice in this movie. <laughs> where they cut to his dad, who says, Oh, yeah, Matt was an orthopedist's dream with all these injuries. And then they cut to his orthopedist. He goes, He's more of a nightmare than a dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, even though the way he responds is a dream and his attitude is a dream, the injuries he has been subjected to are a nightmare. Haven't operated on him for every injury. Luckily, a lot have been fractures and sprains and strains too numerous to count. There's not an extremity he hasn't uh, broken in a violent manner. Do you have an orthopedist? <laughs> I know. do. Oh, really? <laughs> this guy uh, bought some boats from Matt's payments. <laughs> they show a little infographic on the screen of Matt's injuries, and holy shit. He's had over 20 surgeries, broken over 20 bones, had over 100 concussions. The most concerning injuries are his concussions, and we don't know the long-term impact of that. That's not good. I mean, I thought I was the orthopedist dream. <laughs> all the injuries I've had playing sports growing up. Can't hold a candle to Matt over there. No. Well, he had like four surgeries and something had like, like nine broken bones. Like, didn't he have like not even or, close two or three comas, <laughs> right? <laughs> they, they mentioned this one scene where he rips his leg open. Remember this one time he hit himself with a pedal and just lacerated his leg. And it's like, we got to take you to the hospital. I was like, no, okay, I got this thing in my backpack. And you just look at that. Who carries around their own suture kit to give themselves stitches? Well, he did. He got so tired of going to the hospital all the time. He's just like, man, I'll just do it myself. And that's with no anesthesia or anything. He's just, you know, 
Oh, Rambo. He was like the Rambo of BMX. Because this was such a common thing yeah, that he, he would... learned to stitch himself up to save some money. One time he broke his hand in a tournament, and then he just, because he couldn't get the grip, he just taped the hand to the handlebars. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't count like fingers and toes and broken bones. Matt probably didn't even count that whole hand. Yeah, right. Just tape it to the handlebar and keep going because yeah, he couldn't thinking, grip it. I was thinking 20 bones? Nah, dude. You've probably doubled that at least. <laughs> Well, again, we don't count fingers or toes. Matt this said... just happened. But during this whole thing, when they're talking about these injuries, this is a visual format, documentaries, we're seeing a compilation of him just wiping out time after time after time after time. And it is crazy. It's crazy to watch. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. I like you. This is how dedicated Matt is. He says... If I died with a body that wasn't completely wrecked, I'd feel like I completely wasted it. This is a tough-ass dude. <laughs> it's just the way he thought. But also, they make a nice point where BMX riding isn't exactly like football or baseball where you have a contract to play for a certain amount of years. Yeah. You just have to enter tournaments and win prize money every time. So he can't exactly take time off and still make any money. Yeah. So that's why he's got to just get fixed during all these things like taping the broken hand to the handlebar because he's not making any money if he's sitting out with an injury yeah and, and it just seems like that if matt does make money it's just going right back into preparing for competitions or building fucking ramps and shit like that this is what he cares about so when it hits the late 80s and people kind of stop caring about bmx for a minute the sport, the sport recedes the sponsorships dry up the tournaments shut down. The traveling shows shut down. And things are getting rough at home for Matt, too. His mother got sick with cancer, and she'd pass away in 1990. Yeah, she's she's like a tree now. Oh, right. Yeah, he said... We just sprayed my mother's ashes here, and so this is... Um, she's kind of... Uh, she kind of lives in that tree now, I guess. I know it's the stereotypes, but every time Matt speaks, he's just the chillest dude on earth. Yeah. So even when he's talking about this dark time in his life, like how he he couldn't really think about anything else after he just lost his mother, his career's kind of drying up, and he's retreating into himself, he's pointing at a plaque. It's not a tombstone. It's a plaque on a tree commemorating her life. And he just points at it. He's like, he kind of lives in that tree now, I guess. Yeah, I guess... Guess she's that tree now, man. It's so uh, you can tell how much it hurts him. You can tell he's had he's a lot still... of, and he's had a lot of concussions as well. <laughs> Maybe that that's it. Maybe he's not just chill. <laughs> it's a little something extra. Uh, this dude is is all about it. But Matt's yeah. driven. And as a side note, when I, when I was a kid growing up, one of my first sports loves was skateboarding. I was, oh, yeah. was a little skater kid, and one of the coolest skater kids in my community growing up in Long Beach was named Matt Hoffman. So he oh, was really? one of my buddies back in elementary school and everything. <laughs> and he was a cool skater, dude. He did some cool tricks. And then we were like, whoa, there's another Matt Hoffman. Yeah. And he's cool as hell, too. Was your Matt Hoffman 1T or 2? <laughs> uh, want to say 2? Probably not 1. Oh, okay. He was a 2T Matt. Like, most, most Matts aren't 1T. Yeah. That, that's a little bit special. So Matt decides it doesn't matter. This is what he's got to do. He starts building his own bikes. Yeah. Because he's breaking bikes, trying all these crazy shit that nobody else has ever tried. So he's making his own bikes, and he decides, if I'm doing my own bikes, 
and nobody else is doing BMX, I'm going to start my own tour also. He goes to fairs and malls, and they're essentially, they're not like competitions. They're just like, look how cool, look all this cool shit we can do on BMXs. And because he is respected in this world, he's able to pull people in to help him out with this shit. And because there's nothing else really going on right now. They say, oh, yeah, all of the best BMX riders in the world are on this sprocket jockey tour that he's putting on. And then he does a competition series called VS. And they've got, they're saying this is one of the most innovative periods that there are. Because they're just, all the pros are touring together doing 90 plus shows a year. Just kind of trying to impress themselves and the little kids that are watching that might grow up to be the next generation that will actually pay for this sport again. They point out that the Texas State Fair was kind of a turning point in this process. We actually talked to a pro BMXer from Texas who was like, I was at the Texas State Fair. I saw Matt Hoffman doing amazing things, and I was hooked on BMX cocaine ever since. Like bored suburban kids everywhere. (laughs) Seeing all this cool X Games stuff. Now, based on the physics of BMX and the ramps that are mostly utilized in competitions and fun stuff, it seems like the average max feet that you can get, or at least Matt can get, is about 14 feet. So that's kind of like the highest at this point that things have gone. Early 90s here. And then we talk meet a man with the best name ever. If you want to get higher, you better call Johnny Johnny Airtime. There was this guy named Johnny Airtime. They would jump like trains coming at him, and he was a stuntman. And uh, he put it in Matt's head that if he built a 20-foot tall ramp, he could do a 20-foot air. He makes it sound so fucking simple. (laughs) You just get like a 20-foot ramp, right, man? Like, you can go 20 feet in the air, man, right? He's helping Matt build a new bigger ramp than we've ever seen before. He's trying to explain this. And they're showing little graphics of them planning it, like drawn on a cocktail napkin that looks like third grade geometry. <laughs> it's just like a picture of a ramp that says 20 feet over it. And then it's got an arrow pointing up that says 20 feet over that. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's going to work, man. So Matt decides to build a 20 foot ramp back home in Oklahoma. Tony Hawk talks about, and Tony, of course, Tony Hawk's in this. It's a Dick House production. So a Tony, Tony Hawk is never far from a Dick House. And he's the coolest. And, and Birdhouse was his own skateboard. So <laughs> oh, right. Maybe he wanted to call it Dickhouse, but it was taken. <laughs> he's like, when we would expand these ramps, we'd converse like, oh, maybe we should go a foot at a time here, a foot at a time. But Matt was all like, can we like double the ramp? <laughs> they say they're as high as the telephone poles right now. Yeah. And they're just like, what are we doing? This is totally crazy. But Matt manages to take a picture of him going up on this ramp with a pole measuring the height on the top of the ramp. So he's 20 feet in the air on the 20-foot ramp. That's 40 feet in the air, if my calculations are correct. Yeah. Might have to call Johnny Airtime to help me out with those. (laughs) With the math. (laughs) But they get this picture, and it's crazy. It's just got dudes standing on the ramp like, hey! (laughs) And no one can believe what they're doing. But Matt wants to do this, so he's building an even bigger ramp. It's basically a quarter pipe at this point. In 1993, he wants to build this big air ramp. Now, one thing that I love about this 30 for 30 is that Matt Hoffman's from Oklahoma. And Oklahoma really functions as a setting for this. It's... And what I I love that Matt is so tied into Oklahoma because when you think about those the extreme 
sports side of things, you know, like skateboarding or snowboarding. It's like, you know, they're what? They're from California. They're from Colorado. Um, this dude's from fucking windy ass Oklahoma. You expected everybody to be from California. Like the interviews with some of the other pros who were just like, whoa, man, what a Matt do? That was, that was gnarly, bruh. <laughs> it just breaks these stereotypes that like great things only happen in certain places. Yeah, and this is a bored kid in middle America. Yeah. Boredom's a very powerful with thing. With supportive parents. Yeah. Those aren't usually the, the game changers. <laughs> the guys who are revolutionaries. But it's great to see him do this. He builds this sketchy-ass giant ramp. <laughs> it looks like I built it. They're talking about to get to the top of it, you had to climb it and like dodge broken nails. <laughs> and just Does he say like punchy sticks <laughs> sticking out of the back of it? Like, yeah, this was just some sketchy built-together thing. Because it's all out of Matt's head. This isn't things that have been done before that he's taking existing things and editing them. He's totally making this up. It's got a runway leading up to it that looks like just a bunch of plywood boards next to each other. Right. <laughs> like, you could die just riding this before you even get to the ramp. <laughs> but he can't get enough speed to get up this huge ramp. So he just says, hey, if I just hold a rope attached to a motorcycle... And have my buddy tow me in. This is some some jackass backyard wrestling shit, Man, dude. I tell you, that's some country ass shit, and, I <laughs> and I'm there for every moment of it. He gets towed in by a motorcycle to get up enough speed, and gets gets up that ramp to get that big air. And his wife and dad are like, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Other riders that are there, are like they're impressed, but it doesn't occur to them that they want to do this. <laughs> I love the other pros talking about this. They are blown away. They're amazed. But they're not like, I'm going to go home and try this. <laughs> right. No, this is like crossing the line between BMX and Daredevil stunts. Even and there's no money in BMX right now. He's doing this for fun and for innovation. Evil Knievel is just, he's like... To tie a bicycle behind a motorcycle down a runway and to go off and jump with it to see how far you could fly through the air. That just seems impossible to me. I honestly can't wrap my head around that. <laughs> That's fucking Evil Knievel saying that. And sure enough, Matt Hoffman, his destiny, it appears, to head towards the more daredevil side of things. His friend we talked about earlier is the guy who was towing him in on the motorcycle most of the time. And he's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I want to help you with your dreams, but I'm pretty sure you're going to die and yeah. I'll feel responsible for it. So Matt's like, yeah, man, that's fair. So he goes ahead and builds a 43-foot ramp yeah. at a 60-degree angle so he can try to get up to speed himself on a bike. Just a giant vert ramp. Just so his buddy doesn't have to feel bad about it if he does die trying this thing. He also They describe this as being very Oklahoma. To give himself a little more push... He couldn't pedal fast enough. He, put, he added a weed-eater motor to the bike. Just duct-taped it to the bike. <laughs> It didn't quite work, but it, but I I love the uh, the mentality behind it. This is how innovation happens, man. <laughs> you try something. He's like, man, if I was even riding my bike normally with this weed eater engine strapped to it, all the weights tipping it over on one side, and he's trying to do these insane ramps and jumps with it. <laughs> but it showed uh, how it showed both how innovative he was and how dedicated to trying this shit he was, and kind of how. Uh, how half-assed it was, too. There were no tests run to see how this was going to work. He was just like, damn, I can't pedal fast enough. Uh, strap an engine to it and see if that'll work. 
Well, MTV comes around because it's hard to ignore this crazy shit. Matt wants to nail this jump and get real high with this new suicidal inverted ramp thing. With the cameras watching. It's insane in the first place. But on a windy day, this is like impossible. <laughs> he's on a little last bike going 20 feet up in the air. But the cameras are there, so he's got to try it anyways. And he falls. And he gets up and starts walking off. But He walks uh, to his office. He his wife walking. and his friend are like, he didn't look quite right. Yeah. And we just heard this big crash and a thump. And we both look back and we hey, that's Matt was back there. Sure enough, look back and he had totally passed out. And, uh, you know, I was really scared because he just, the color, he looked really gray. Uh, turns out he burst his spleen. He just exploded it on this wipeout. And he's losing a lot of blood and the ambulance came. <laughs> Said they couldn't get pressure from him. And this is, this shows that Matt was, did not like, was not rich because he was an amazing BMXer because the ambulance is like, because he's awake, he's lucid. Matt goes, how much, he asked the EMTs, how much for the ambulance to take me? They go, 500 bucks. And he goes, see you guys later. And my friends are going to take me. And the friends are like, oh my God, what if you die in my car? <laughs> Which he almost does. They get him there and the doctors ask if he had stopped breathing or if he lost, his heart rate stopped. Like, we don't know. We we're just trying to drive here fast. He lost so much blood with this rupture internally that he was within 20 minutes of death. <laughs> And while he's recovering from this... Something happens to the ramp. There's a real windy day in Oklahoma, <laughs> and it blows down his ramp just completely. It is implied that his friends trashed his ramp. <laughs> they, they have Tony Hawk. He came up to me, and he's like, my wind, there was a windstorm, and my, my whole half pipe blew down. I'm thinking, what's the whole half pipe blow down? Like, maybe one wall gets wrecked. I think it's a total conspiracy, and I, I think my friends thought I was going to take myself out. And so they tore the ramp down. But you ask any one of them, they all have the same story that the wind blew it down. Oklahoma's a windy place. <laughs> so Matt's like, okay, you tear my ramp down. I'm going to get into base jumping now. <laughs> and he's like riding bikes and parachuting off of mountains. And that's was, how he rests and recovers. And that's and one time uh, he went to go meet his friends on a mountain to jump off it. And the mountain was gone. And his friends were like... Must be a pretty windy day. I think it's a total conspiracy. <laughs> he was about to jump out of the helicopter on his bike, and the helicopter doors wouldn't open. Yeah. Like, oh, I think the wind blew him shut. Oh, yeah. And he noticed that it was welded from the outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wind welded that door shut. I think it's a total conspiracy. That's yeah, crazy. <laughs> but in the meantime, this is 1995, and ESPN... Starts the X Games. All of a sudden, there's some money in doing crazy bike stunts again. Game on. And uh, and the, a world record is held by a man named Dave Mira for 19 feet of air. Wait a minute. According to an advertisement from DC Shoes. Is Dave Mira suddenly presented as a bit of the villain in this movie? I handed Matt the poster. I was all psyched to go, Matt, check this out. This is pretty rad. Like, I didn't even think that it was at all shredding on, on you know or, or or stepping on toes i was like it's a different ramp no they they interviewed dave mira and they said that he didn't make that ad <laughs> he was just doing cool bike stunts whilst being sponsored by dc but that was it wasn't that the official record though at the time 
Yeah, that's what they they said in this thing because Matt had never gotten anything official. He was just doing this but off we, the books for himself, and he didn't nail it when MTV was there on that windy day. But we do have footage of him surpassing, hitting at least 20 feet. We got photographs of him going over 20 feet. Years ago, <laughs> being towed in by that motorcycle. Seems like, shouldn't that count? But I guess he just never sent it to the right people. But Matt is now driven like Dave Mira. Are you serious, bro? He was semi-retired at this time. They, they say his body was held together by rubber bands and staples. So it was kind of a bummer that when this X Games comes out, the guy who'd been without question the best of the world at what he did, he wasn't really the best anymore. His body was just in such terrible shape that he wasn't in the position to take advantage of all this new money flowing into the sport. But when that ad with Dave Mira comes out saying this is the record for Big Air... He goes, oh, oh man, I can't let that stand that they are totally forgetting me, that they're doing this. And a lot of people in that business, that industry, they know that they know they've seen bigger jumps than 19 feet. Oh, absolutely. The guys who were, all the pros were there when he was doing that first 20 foot ramp. He just felt like, look, I got to do this again and I have to make it to where there's absolutely no question. I'm gonna go 30 feet and let somebody try to play with that for the next 10 or 20 years. That doesn't go to things by degrees. It's like, I'm not gonna beat that by one foot. I'm gonna do a 30 foot jump <laughs> and off his ramp, this would mean he's 54 feet off the ground on his bike. He brings an ABC camera crew out there. He pays a lot of money actually to buy decent material to build this ramp. Not just stapled together plywood. <laughs> now, this is eight years since his last jump. The last photo that we see him hitting about, what, 23 feet? So he builds this ramp, this super ramp, and everything is a lot more precise on this ramp in the construction. Special kind of wood or like uh, ramp boards to put on it. Except it that it's fucking insane how yeah. huge it is that no one's ever done anything even remotely like this thing they said they could have built two houses for the cost of this ramp and he's got to get towed in by the motorcycle yeah wide world of sports comes around but he does doesn't he hit 26 and a half feet don't we witness that i guess maybe wide world of sports wasn't there when well, he, he, he doesn't that. land it oh he, he's got to land the trick but he's got the abc camera crew there so he's like, I've got to keep doing this. I've got to do this while they're here. But th there's a nice little moment here that they say where Matt's being real honest. Where he's like, I never did this stuff for anyone except me. Yeah. He was just building shit in the back of his house in Oklahoma for no money for a lot of it. Just for the fun of doing this. And for that, that innovative spirit that was driving him to just do bigger, crazier things whenever they crossed his mind. Like, can we do that? Probably not. Maybe, though. <laughs> he can just zone into it and figure it out in his head as he's doing shit. And now for the first time, he's doing it for another reason. He's yeah. not just doing it for himself. He's doing it for this camera crew. He's doing it for this record. He's doing it for the recognition. I do this stuff alone because I have to be inside myself, and that's where I find that focus to achieve it. And that's where it goes wrong because I lose those voices inside my head that are telling me, you know how to do it also his body is busted as hell he might not have the strength that he used to have so he keeps getting this giant air off this insane ramp but he can't land it he keeps wiping out yeah and he keeps trying because he's got to hit it and then he wipes out and is not moving matt? Okay. Yell at him or something. Matt, matt matt can you hear me matt matt <sighs> 
knocked the fuck out and he his got, friends are there his wife's there his baby is there people are like upset and he was in a coma for fucking three days he got a hardcore concussion this is all on camera him falling guys surrounding him saying what's going on why the hell is there no on-site med while he's trying this stunt over and over again man they had enough money to build two houses but they couldn't have a medic on site what the fuck does matt hoffman's brain scans look like dude I mean, we talk about the era of CTE right now. Yeah. Dude with over 100 concussions. Yeah, we're in a post-Benoit world right now. Oof. He, he can't get up after this wipeout. The ambulance finally comes. Hey, he's in a coma for three days. And he bit his lip off. They had to reconstruct his lip. Yeah. So it's, it takes him a year to be basically a normal person again after and, this wipeout. And, you know, he... See, he's holding his daughter one day and she's laughing and he's and the wife's like look I know I love you I love your I love that you have such big dreams but I don't want you to die and you have a child now yeah she puts the baby in his arms and like if you die you're gonna miss this yeah this child growing up laughing in your arms it's it's cliche but you can see how that could affect him and get through and he starts thinking like the hell's wrong with me? Yeah. Why am I giving up my whole life just to try these crazier and crazier stunts? But what the fuck is a Matt Hoffman going to do? It's hard. How we're set up with him in this film, it's hard to imagine him even doing anything else. Yeah, but his old buddy Evil Knievel comes through. Yeah. Invites him out to dinner. And they go out to dinner and he looks at Evil Knievel and he's like, hey, you're old. <laughs> yeah. You did all these crazy stunts. And yeah. you still got to grow old. Yeah, evil's broken every bone in his fucking body. I can do this. Uh, that's when his wife was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Evil, you're banned from dinner at the house. Don't do this. And he tears down his giant crazy-ass ramp. Tears it down. But seriously, what does Matt Hoffman do? Sell insurance? <laughs> I, I, I can't even picture him holding his baby without thinking of him trying to do a backflip. <laughs> he really time. can't. This is just who he is. He's, he's the innovator. All these tricks were stuff that just came out of his mind <laughs> to even attempt it. And you know what? Three years after he tore down that giant ramp, the X Games adds a mega ramp Los and a Angel big air competition. Los Angeles, 2004. The Cowabunga Radical X Games, dude. Eat my shorts. Bruh. This is when Fugazi comes up. Hell yeah, some waiting room. gap now they load in on this giant steep ramp go down and then go up over a gap in a big ass jump oh uh, yeah to keep building up speed it's a good idea to get up that big air ramp afterwards and it, and it looks cool yeah it looks super cool so matt sees it and he's like shit i want to ride that thing yeah of course that looks cool <laughs> his wife's like yeah he's retired but i knew he wouldn't be totally retired and in 2003 
the condor flies again. And he just wants to do this awesome ramp. That's yeah. really all of his motivation is. He sees this awesome ramp they built, and he's like, damn, I want to ride that. He doesn't even really care what anyone else is doing. He just wants to do it himself. He's not trying to, to win the medal, really. <laughs> he just wants to go high. <laughs> so he rides this ramp, and he... Does, he doesn't bust out his craziest tricks. Yeah, it looks he gets like he there. looks like he hits about eighteen feet, and then and he does it again, and he busts his ass. And he slaps on the flat hard. <laughs> but he's able to stand up and put his hands up to show that he's okay. Oh, he also took his brakes off his bike. <laughs> oh, yeah. That. yeah, he says he couldn't just do it normally. He had to innovate something. <laughs> so he does it without brakes on his bike, and that's when he just goes too fast and totally wipes out at the top. <laughs> but he's okay. And that's pretty much the story we get of The Birth of Big Air by Jeff Tremaine. How much do you want to do some crazy cool shit after watching this movie? I, in my brain, I can play like Grand Theft Auto, maybe. <laughs> That's where my crazy shit comes in. I, I wanted to immediately build a ramp in my driveway and buy a skateboard again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does make, in my, in my country childhood, like setting up ramps on logs, these half-ass ramps, really. They're, they're not that impressive, but you're wanting to do all these jumps and do all these tricks and... It kind of, there is like a, like I said, Oklahoma is a big role, is an important part of Matt Hoffman. And you can think that like great things only happen in specific places, but that's just not the case. Big open Oklahoma, you know, you can get like cool people doing innovative shit like this. And he was proud of it. His, his giant ass ramp had, you know, Hoffman OKC painted on it party on and all the pros all these california bros were coming to oklahoma to do his competitions yeah and he pretty much helped to bring it back after it had receded so hard i wonder what matt hoffman's up to right now about hoffman i now run a cbd store yeah he probably runs a cbd store (laughs) he'd probably be perfect spokesman for it it really helps me with my aches and pains and the 90% of my brain that is a bruise. <laughs> I have bruise brain. Drew. 20 plus surgeries. <laughs> we don't rate documentaries, especially these 30 for 30s, in a star rating scale. We rate it in a Herzog rating scale. You're going to give it one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give it one through five Herzogs. We'll combine them like a sick, like you just nailed a 20 foot jump and didn't crash at the end for best out of 10 Herzogs. I'll go first. I've already gone into it. I'm a Dick House fan. Dick House lays something out. I'm going to look at that Dick House. <laughs> I'm going to stare hard at that Dick House. Uh, this is like the most highlight reel 30 for 30 we may have seen so far. We've seen a lot. I mean, naturally, in every 30 for 30, you get like sick replays and action shots. And there is so much to see here. And it did such a good job of building the 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 obsessions around this world of BMX which is not something I really know shit about. I maybe only knew like two people interviewed in this movie outside of including Matt Hoffman himself. I mean, it's just not my world. But now I'll never forget Matt Hoffman's name and I it, the film did a good job of setting up why he's so important to this sport and what can be amazing about this sport. It was very fascinating. 
a lot of it was just kind of your typical talking head things. It was more a little more interesting than your average talking head thing, but um, but probably some of the best montages we've seen in Thirty for Thirties. I think this is a worthy three point seven five out of five Herzogs. Very nice. Very nice. Yourself, Drew. I honestly thought that this was a little. A little subdued for what I thought it was going to be going into it when I saw that it was, you know, The Birth of Big Air by Johnny Knoxville and Dick House Productions. We had a brief clip of surgery. Don't forget that. Yeah. And (laughs) self-surgery. That's cool. I thought it was just going to be nonstop rad tricks and cool shit. But there was story here and behind the scenes. And honestly, it it was almost a little bit of a bummer. Seeing how much, like, how the time frame never kind of lined up for this guy who was so clearly head and shoulders above the field, the best at what he was doing. He started out great. It hit the recession right away. And when he was in his prime, there was no money in his sport. And he was doing all this, anything he could possibly do to keep it alive and keep this, keep this rad stuff out there. And then once we as a culture kind of got obsessed with what was going on that was pretty much all inspired by what he was doing. He wasn't even in shape enough anymore to kind of take advantage of this and make that that big money where it was at or get that big re- recognition. I mean, DC Shoes is putting Dave Mira on the front. Not to say that there was nothing there. Matt Hoffman had his own video games at some point. They weren't Tony Hawk Pro Skater big, yeah. but Matt Hoffman Pro BMX were some pretty dope games too. Whoa. He was he was living large right there, getting his name out there. People knew this guy, but I don't think that many people knew this story. Yeah. All, all the things that he went through and all the innovations that he started. Matt Hoffman is like like that band that people don't know that's been around a long time that people don't know much about. But ten other bands that you like cite that band as an influence. See the Velvet Underground of uh, X Games. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> changing the game. Yeah, I, I like that. Let's roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> and there were plenty of awesome highlights and plenty of crazy wipeouts. Lots of again, just great footage that they got in this. I did really enjoy the interviews with the other pros, just with their, you know. California X Games stereotype <laughs> conversations. He did that, and I was like, "Whoa!" A lot, yeah. A lot of it is just flabbergasted. Half the <laughs> movie is just flabbergasted, and it made me want to go do some rad stuff too. This was a lot of fun. It told a good story. I think it it could have been a short though. There was a lot of stuff in here that was kind of repeating itself a little bit and going back and forth. I did think it was a worthy story. It was a really good one. I enjoyed watching this, but there wasn't too much too much meat in it. They did seem like they kind of spread it out a little bit thin and didn't dig into any of the real... They would allude to all these great things, like his innovator status or his, you know, doing things without money or what happened when the X Games came up and got huge kind of without him mm. or his personal life at home or these injuries he suffered and the family situation. All these things were touched on, but none of them really got their hooks into it too much. Mm. It just kind of skimmed across this whole thing and made for an entertaining watch and definitely got us more interested in this story and more respect out there for Matt Hoffman. I'm going to give it a 3.5. 
Nice. I definitely enjoyed it. I didn't think it was anything like revolutionary or that really grabbed me or pulled me in at any point. But it was an entertaining watch with a good story behind it. I'm happy I did see this one. And it felt like a good 30 for 30. I think it was uh, generally a good package here for this kind of story. Uh, so you take your 3.5 and my 3.75. That is a total of 7.25 out of 10 Herzogs. Now, I know you want to hit these sick-ass tricks, but we're not getting younger, buddy. No. And I, I know, know I can't hit it. I never could do these cool flips and shit that people that a lot of people can do. How many concussions do you think you get? Not many. Probably like a couple <laughs> in my lifetime, you know. I've been relatively okay. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing I haven't heard that many times, I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> far as you know. Far as you can yeah. remember, right? I don't count the, too many brain injuries among surgeries and broken bones but just looking at matt hoffman and thinking how he would just keep going on this stuff yeah after all carrying around his own suture kit because it's inevitable when you're an innovator <laughs> that's rad it's hard not to like somebody like that you know yeah it, it was definitely a, a likable story <laughs> but matt contact us documenters podcast at gmail.com let us know how your cbd store is doing yeah we think you're you're a cool dude yeah way to be a cool dude okay see right Bruh. Bruh. Okay, see, bruh. That's how they talk there. <laughs> okay, see, bruh. And watch out for that wind. I hear it gets pretty windy out there. Yeah. I think it's a total conspiracy. The, the, the ramp ripping uh, wind. I don't know, Bobby. I think it's getting real windy in this podcast studio Holy right shit. now. These microphones are going to blow. Oh, this, this wind is getting pretty crazy. <laughs> That'll be a fun effect. All right, y'all. Keep on shredding and keep on a docking. And I hang out with Evil for like a day and a half, and I felt all normal again. Because I realized that he was like an older man, and his mind was more radical than mine, really, you know? And so I'm like, well, he grew old with it. Well, I've always said that if you fall during your life, it doesn't matter, because you're never a failure as long as you try to get up. The most important thing in life is if you have a dream, I mean, a real good dream. Follow it. Follow that dream. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. I like you. Yeah, what?